All right, testing. All right, cool. The mic's on. Uh, thanks, Jen, for that. Appreciate it. Church, how are we doing? We're doing all right? All right, all right, all right I hear you, man. All right, well, but I hear everyone else. So everyone needs to beat his volume, all right? So we're going to try it one more time. This is going to be your first time ever because, Erwin, you're always loud. So we're going to do this, all right? All right, church, how are we doing? Yeah. Oh, that was close. You, you almost did it. You almost did it. Uh, church, uh, it's great to uh, be here with you today. Um, I, you know, this is my second time up here, so I guess the first time I did a good enough job to be asked to do it again, so thank you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's definitely an honor to be here to preach to you guys to, uh, exactly what God is trying to speak um, in my heart and into your guys' heart as well. Um, church, if you, if you didn't know, um, you know, I, I was gone last weekend and uh, if you didn't notice, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not offended I, a little bit, but it's all right. Uh, but I was able to get married uh, for the second time to the same woman. Uh, so <laughs> uh, for those, you know, that don't know, you know, 2020, I think we all recognize COVID uh, definitely changed our plans a little bit. Uh, but uh, second time is definitely... Uh, you know, it, it was definitely a great time to actually celebrate with our friends, our families, people that, that we love, and, um, you know, that's where I was this past weekend, and it was great, so I just want to share that with you guys. Um, but for today, um, the, the passage I was, uh, I wanted to speak on is Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And specifically in this section, I believe what Paul is trying to tell us today is, or the subject of the matter is, live the Christian life. Live the Christian life. Um, this topic actually goes before and beyond the section that we talk about, actually. Uh, the, the whole des description of how to live a Christian life actually starts in the second half of chapter 4 and actually goes all the way up to uh, chapter 7. So there's a lot that Paul talks about, but I think in this section particularly uh, speaks um, volumes over exactly what the fundamentals are uh, when it comes to living the Christian life. Uh, so I always want to give a little bit of context before I start because, you know, as we know, uh, the Bible is, is an old scripture. It's, it's old, it's written to uh, specific people at a specific time, and so we're not living in that time, right? So it's our duty to also not just read scripture because sometimes we're going to run into some scriptures where, like, we don't understand, right? Like, in the Bible, it talks about not wearing mixed linens, right, because that's a sin, and so if I look over at all of us, I, I see some 50% polyester, 50% cotton wearers right now. And so, you know, that doesn't apply to us anymore. And so that's why you have to understand the context of Scripture. Uh, because then you get a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation to exactly what uh, God is trying to say to his people. So the context of this uh, letter, uh, which is you know, the letter of Ephesians, it's written by Paul. It's written to the church of uh, Ephesus. You know, all letters uh, from Paul always had a specific, you know, purpose behind them. Um, some letters are for correction. Um, you know, Paul will hear about um, some believers or, or you know, some uh, not unbelievers that kind of have questions about, you know, Christianity and wanted to, you know, know things. Or sometimes there's some Christians who mix in pagan practices and they think, okay, well, this is okay. And then Paul some, will send out letters to correct that and say, you know what, that's not the right thing to do. This is how you do it. 
Or sometimes there is times where uh, heresy is brought up and Paul needs to shut that down. And so there's letters that counteract certain things. But like this letter, this letter is a little bit different because this letter actually is a letter of encouragement. It's a letter to encourage this church at Ephesus, which is, which is a prominent church at that time, uh, and to encourage them to continue to uh, live this Christian life, to continue to become this masterpiece that God has called them to be. And so, you know, however, this letter is meant to encourage believers like you and I as well. Specifically in this section, Paul reminds the readers that living a Christian life is to live in a higher standard by rejecting pagan practices. So back then, uh, pagan practices it really involved hyposexuality and, you know, drinking a lot, getting drunk, and more of this self-indulging, uh, like, way of living. And so Paul is trying to encourage these Christian believers to say, you know what, it's not just about you. It's about you, it's about your relationship with God and your relationship with other people, and that's the Christian life. And so that's what, God is try- or that's what Paul is trying to write about here in this section. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and get into the text, and then we'll go into the, to the teaching. Is that all right, church? Amen. All right, if you don't have your Bibles, no worries. The text is behind me, and obviously I'll be reading it out loud. So verse 1, Ephesians chapter 5, says this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave up himself as, uh, for us as a fragment offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because such thing God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them, For you were once darkness, but you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruits of the light consist of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything is exposed by light becomes visible, and everything is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful on on how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Church, as I mentioned, you know, I got married again this past weekend, and uh, I think any type of marriage, uh, I mean, especially meaning in a sense of like mine versus yours or anything like that, it's definitely life-changing. You know, what I mean by that is uh, you, like there's something that happens 
to a person when they get married, right? It's because we, you're used to living the single life. Uh, you have these habits that you get to do. And then once you're married, some of them have to kind of go away, right? Because you can't continue to do that anymore. Uh, like, for example, for me, uh, when I was single, everything was on my time, right? Uh, yeah, you know, when I, when I was in college, you know, I had a desk, and I, you know, I, every tabletop I could possibly find, uh, there was always some, like, notes, like, post-it notes. That was my thing. I, you know, it kind of looked like a, one of those true crime dramas where it's a cork board and there's like all these rope that like attaches all these notes to kind of just follow along. And so when I wasn't done with my paper, I get to say, you know what, I'll leave it for tomorrow. You know, and then from there tomorrow, I'll pack it up. You know, if I'm, I don't need that paper anymore, I'll throw it away, you know, call it quits. But now that I'm married, I can't do that anymore. I can't just leave my papers in the dining room table 30 minutes before we eat dinner, right? That's not allowed anymore. You know, I have to consider what Samantha needs. And, you know, she, I'm living with her, so I have to consider what she needs from me and what she needs from, from my, uh, my actions. Um, secondly, I, when I was single, I thought I had impeccable fashion. Impeccable fashion. And one story in particular, and Samantha can, can attest to this, I had this Hawaiian shirt. And I thought it was, it was prestige. It was, a, it was a blue shirt, almost as blue as the light behind me. And then it had some floral patterns on there, and it was like, a pie, like bright pink. It had like a lime green on there. And I thought, like, this is, this is great. You know, during the summertime, this is how you express summer. Now that I'm married, uh, I find out that my fashion sense is a little bit questionable. It's not, it's not on point all the time. And so, you know, and that's one of the, one of the things I, I get now. Now I have someone to kind of like question what I'm going to wear now, right? It's like, hey, you really want to walk around like that? And I was like, why? Is there something wrong? It's like, maybe. And I'm like, okay, that's, uh, that's enough. And so I threw away the whole iron shirt, unfortunately. Uh, so that's no more. But I'm trying to talk her into getting me a new one, so it's okay. Uh, uh, Another, another way uh, in my single life is like I get, there's specific, way, there's, there's specific ways I can throw away my laundry. Guys, uh, you know, especially those that are big fans of basketball, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a hamper that ha has no lid, kind of looks like a basket, or it, it is a basket sometimes. And then with socks, you can form it into a ball. And, you know, and if you're a big fan of Kobe, you can shoot the sock. And you shout Kobe, and if you make it, there it is. You know, you threw away your socks into the dirty hamper. Uh, now that I'm married, that's not allowed anymore because that's extra work, you know? That's extra work that you have to unravel the socks and lay it gently on, on the hamper, and, you know, like, it's all right. You know, like, I, I am now understanding that there's some differences that I need to kind of let go in order to live this new life that I'm in. And... You know, because of the relationship with our spouses, our girlfriends, our boyfriends, or even just our friends, uh, we change the way we live because of our love for the other person. You know, I love Samantha, and I, 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 I want to respect her, and I want to do things that, that pleases her. So I have to change uh, some things in my life to do that. And I think that's the same way that we interact with God, because it is because of our newfound love for God that we change our life. You know, we can't just live the same as soon as we get baptized or we consider ourselves Christians. You know, there's some change that needs to happen in our life. And majority of the times, it's not an instant change. Like any type of artwork, it 
takes time. If you look at a Van Gogh or if you look at some type of stone art, it, that took time. Unless it is one of those artwork that's just a straight line and it costs like millions of dollars, and I don't think that took that much time, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it as it is. But for most artwork, it takes time. And we are called God's masterpiece because we are made anew in Christ. It is our relationship with God that makes us a masterpiece. It doesn't happen overnight. A Christian life is a process that we go through. And as you go on living this life, you will begin mastering certain things that get you closer and closer to a masterpiece. And then the great thing about that is as soon as you do that, every little step that you take, it brings God glory. But the question remains the same in the time of Paul and for today is how do we live like a masterpiece? You know, so I believe in this section that we just read is uh, Paul telling, it tells us three things that we ought to do correctly to live this Christian life. And so the first point I believe that Paul is trying to make here, um, verses 1 through 13, is follow the example. Follow the example. You know, God paved the way, and so we must follow his example. We are to make God our example and our model. God walked in love and showed his love through Jesus at the cross. And as followers, we have to share the same self-giving love for others. You know, church, I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of traffic. I, I'm, I am not, especially on 90 with all the constructions. It's, it takes a while. But one thing I hate, or I, I dislike more than traffic is being the root cause of traffic, right? And so uh, no, nothing... Nothing major happened. There's no accident. There's no injury. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But uh, I had to stop because there was a family that was taking the time to cross the street. And I'm not, okay, it's not a human family, but it was a family of ducks that I had to wait for. And so, you know, if, if you're in the front, you know, you have to stop for them. You have to wait for them to cross the street, and you have to say, okay, well, like, you know, sometimes they're quick, sometimes they're not. And this time, there were not. And so I had to wait. I had to put my car in park. I had to, uh, you know, I, I didn't shut off my car because it wasn't that long, but it was, it was a while. And so there was people honking in the back, and I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. Should I lift up the duck and show you that they're walking? You know, like, I don't, like, I don't know exactly what you want me to do here. Uh, but in that time, you know, you get to see these ducks and its ducklings, and, the, you know, the mother duck keeps on walking, and... You start, I, I, at least for me, I start wondering, it's like, well, that's interesting, isn't it, that these ducklings just follow the mother without question. You know, sometimes they turn around, they start looking around, but then once they notice that they're too far from the family, they're like, okay, you know what, I need to start getting closer before I, lose, I get lost. And so, because I had time in my hands, I started researching it, right? I pulled up my phone, I pulled up Google, I'm like, why is that? And would you believe it that actually this is a common phenomenon that ducklings actually go through called imprinting? And so in this phenomenon that happens is that these baby ducks, as they're progressing, as they're maturing, uh, one way that they ensure that they don't get lost is through this phenomenon called imprinting, which essentially is these snapshots, this photo, like these photographs that these ducklings make in their, in their brains to say, this is my mother, these are my siblings, and these are the people I need to follow. You know, and it's so interesting. Uh, and even for us, I think that's the same way that we need to uh, follow God as well. Because there's going to be times where we're going to get distracted. There's going to be times where we're going to find ourselves, you know, not paying attention to exactly where we're at. 
But if we just imprint the character and the person of God and Jesus into our minds and our hearts, once we're lost, we'll find our way back. And I think that's what Paul is trying to say right here by following the example is like, just follow God and follow in his ways so that when, people, when you get distracted by things in this world, you always find your way back home. To truly follow God, it consists of following his word and character he portrays to us. It's less about self-gratification and more of serving your neighbor in love. That's another characteristic of following God. It's not just about just ourselves, but it's also about others. The second point I think that Paul is also trying to say is to flip the switch. To flip the switch. Uh, we're called to live in light. It is up to us to wake up and live in the light that is always available to us. You know, the thing I, I like about, you know, God and I, I, Jesus and Paul's teachings and, you know, it's the whole Bible's teaching. It's, it's a, every time God offers something, is a choice. You know, he's not... You know, God is a gentleman. You know, he doesn't barge into your door like Kramer and Seinfeld, you know. Like, he doesn't do that. Uh, he, a- he asks permission. He gives you a choice. You know, if you want to open the door, go ahead, open the door, but I'm waiting outside for you. If you're willing to, if you're ready to live in light, you just got to wake up. Every morning, we choose to go to work, right? Because, you know, the alarm goes off. It's easy to say, you know what, I'm not going to go to work today. But, you know, we need, we need to support our family. You know, we, we need a paycheck sometimes. And so we say, okay, you know what, I have to go to work. But it's a choice. And that's so interesting, and I appreciate that because, again, it's not this relationship that's a forced relationship, but it's rather a, uh, a, a relationship that involves two people and their decisions between one another. Uh, you know, and when you are asleep, you do not realize what's going on. And when you're awake, you are aware of the things that are going on. And a sense of, like, to wake up and live in the light is to be more uh, vigilant and more aware and realize things that's going on in your life, in your surroundings. You know, uh, what happened recently, a couple years ago, there's this street artist called Banksy, uh, for those that are not familiar, uh, no one knows of his, uh, how he looks like. No one knows exactly who he is. The only thing we know, he's an artist, street artist that's in his 20s. Uh, and he's British. And that's, that's really all we know about him. And then besides that, we also know his artwork. His artwork consists of graffiti art. And uh, I've brought some pictures up there, and so you can kind of see exactly. And his art specifically speaks on political and social commentary. So ideas that he wants to bring up in his art, he goes ahead, goes ahead and, and displays them in, in, with, with graffiti. But there's one specific artwork that was one of his famous artwork, and it's called The Girl with the Balloon. Uh, and you'll see it right there. So this artwork, he, he actually painted it in multiple different areas, uh, not just this one specific street. So one day, his, uh, his art actually became, this specific art came into a, a portrait where he drew himself. And I also show that up on the screen as well. And so it looked like that. And so it was ready for auction. The broker got it. They were, they were ready to do all these things. So that, that specific picture, as soon as the gavel hit, it actually went up to 1.4 million pounds. That was the worth of this photo. 
So, you know, the, the, the lady who won the, the bid, you know, was excited, I'm pretty sure. But as soon as the gavel hits, what ended up happening is the, the frame was actually a shredder. So in the middle of that, the photo shredded into this piece, and that's where it left off. It got jammed so it couldn't go all the way through, and so that's where it was. So $1.4 million got shredded. And so at the time, the brokerage was saying, okay, you know what, like, this is, let's call it a wash. If you want your refund back, we'll give it to you. And so in that middle of discussion, while the lady's trying to figure out whether or not she wants the art or not, we find out that Banksy, the original artist, was involved with this prank. He's the one that originated it. He was ready, to, he's the one that planned for this to happen himself. So because we find out that it was Banksy who originated this plan and it was him who did this, this shredded, worthless piece of paper at the time is now worth more. So the value of this painting shredded is now two million pounds, almost double the price of the original art. You know, church, I don't know about you, but I think it's kind of funny that people were already ready to write off this art. It's like it's worthless, it's just a piece of paper now, it doesn't really work, it's not worth anything. But as soon as they found out that it was Banksy, now it's worth double. There was more value. Or maybe I should say this, that sometimes, you know, when it comes to art, it's easy to dismiss something and call it as worthless, but as soon as we find out that the artist has some type of power or some type of, some type of uh, influence, that now it's worth more. Or maybe I should say this a little bit, a little bit this way. Sometimes in our lives, we may feel broken. Sometimes we may feel like we're not complete. Maybe we'll feel like maybe we're not worth anything. But as soon as we find out that God has his signature in our lives, our value goes up. It's not just about our brokenness. We have to understand that we're a work of art progressing step by step. We're not done yet. And I think, you know, one of the, one of a chorus that, that I really enjoy is like, if I'm not dead, God's not done. God has more things to do in your life, whether you believe it or not. God has called you valuable. God loves you. God wants to do more things in your life, no matter what season you're at. But I think that's, that's the thing. We have to realize that. We have to realize that God values us, that God has a signature over us, that there's more work to be done. I'm not perfect yet, and that's okay. That I need to continue in this process, in this Christian life as I walk through and gain more wisdom and knowledge in that. So let us realize who we are living for, a God who seeks out and cares for us. And so the third point I feel like Paul is trying to say in this passage as well is fill your life with things that last. Fill your life with things that last. Paul calls us to fill our lives with things that last, with things like wisdom and making the most of every opportunity. If we fill our lives with the Spirit, we, sell, we set ourselves to live a life of joy, thankfulness, and encouragement. Like I said earlier, these pagan practices were not about like thinking ahead, thinking for the future. It was more of like, I want to satisfy my needs now, so what can I do? So that, that involved like temporary joy. That involved just 
you're thinking, okay, what can I do for now to kind of just do this and not worry about tomorrow? But what Paul is trying to say is like, no, it's more than that. We need to fill our lives with things that last, that involves, that, that lasts longer than expected. That's not just temporary. You know, when I was younger, I remember going to the store, and every, like any kid, every time you go to the store, you want a toy, right? You want, you know, the latest Nerf gun or, or what have you. But, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, it's too many toys, you know, no for now. And so as a kid, when I wanted a toy, there's always one thing I knew I can always get. And so I would go up to my mom and was like, okay, mom, do you have 50 cents or 25 cents that I can borrow? And my mom's like, sure, like, please, no one likes change, right? And so she's like, okay, here you go. And so I would walk to the front of the store, and so these coin machines. And usually you have three options. One is, you know, candies, like M&Ms or something like that. The second one is one of those, like, temporary tattoos you wet and you put it in your arm. There's, like, this tiger that's, like, this small, right? And, like, you know, you, you think you're really cool as a kid, you know, with that. But then the third one was one of my favorites and actually is uh, what we called sticky hands. Anyone remember that toy, sticky hands? And so for those that don't re really remember, sticky hands is this uh, adhesive gel that is just a, it's, it's an imprint of a hand and then underneath the hand, there's a string. So the whole point of that toy is that you just whip it at something, and it sticks there for like five seconds, and then you pull it out. So you could do that to whatever. You can do that to a wall. You can do that to a window. Uh, you, can, you can even hit your parents with it, but they'll hit you back. So you, I don't, I don't uh, <laughs> you know, recommend that. But you, know, you can hit everything with that, and it'll stick. But you pay for what you get because that sticky hand toy only lasted like five sticks. It was like the sad, it was like the sad because you start hitting these dirty windows and walls and stuff and it makes you know just like debris stuck on the gel. And so it's, it, it was like, it's a temporary joy that happened for just 25 cents. Now, if I, if I was a little bit smart now that I'm older, I'm like, look, if I already just saved that 50 cents for like a month or something, I probably could have walked away something lasted longer, like a Hot Wheels or, or a Tech Deck because, you know, kids of the 90s, that's what, that's what, that was the toys back in the day that we really enjoyed. And I think, uh, and I think that's exactly what Paul is trying to tell us in this session. Sometimes in this world, or some things in this world, bring us temporary joy. Joy that only lasts for a while, like the sticky hand. He wants us to fill our lives with things in our lives with, uh, or sorry, with things that bring us joy, peace, and humility. Things that would want to make us sing and speak life to others. Things that should last for a lifetime. Yeah, yes, you can, you know, like, sure, you can, you, there's people that get drunk on the weekends, they get high on the weekends, and there's people that satisfy their needs or whatever you have, but that is only temporary. What, God, what Paul is trying to say is like, look, if you really want to live this Christian life, look out for things that are valuable, the things that last more, that relationship with your friends and your family, making the most of every opportunity. That is what truly matters in this Christian life. Not things that just last for a night or for a weekend. It's just things that you can look back to. and It's like, wow, that was really great. I'm glad that happened. Let us stop allowing things that are temporary to affect, affect our, the way that we live our lives. They do not last, but the things of God will last all eternity. So in this section, I think in this whole entire sermon, the point is, is like, look, life is complicated. Life has some ups and downs. You know, and life in general, it comes with bad seasons. Life also has good seasons as well. 
And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean those also go away. Uh, as Christians, we still go through bad seasons, rough seasons, but as Christians, we also go through good seasons as well. But what makes us different than every other person? Well, is that, that we're not alone. That we have a God who walks next to us, carrying his cross as we carry our cross, trying to encourage us to take the next step. And sometimes we may fall, and God is just standing there, hey, I'm waiting for you to stand back up, and I'm here to help you for that. We have a God who cheers us on as we continue to walk glory to glory, faith by faith. And so that's what we have to remember in this life, that in your, in your bad seasons, whatever you're going through, that God is with you. He's, cur- he's encouraging you. You have a community of other Christians in this place that would want to encourage you as well. Because again, it's not just about you, but it's about others. So brothers and sisters in Christ, if you see someone that's struggling or having a, a hardship with something, it's your duty to also go and help. It's not just, okay, I'm just going to worry about me and like, oh, that sucks. They probably sinned, and so I'm going to stay away from that. No, it's not just about that, but what it is about, it's about my, my brother and my sister is struggling, so let me help them out as well. It's this love, this, un, uh, undying, uh, uh, this love that is not selfish, but is giving. And it's this love that's not, just not about us, but about other people. And that's the love that we need to show other peoples as Christians in this life. You know, we're still given a purpose and calling if we just realize that darkness have no power over us. And we also understand to live our life with things that bring us and others joy because that's what truly matters in life. And that is how we should live this Christian life. Amen? Amen? All right. Church, uh, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, it was, like I said, it was an honor to, to really preach. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hopefully you take that and you encourage that. Uh, everything will be online as well. Um, uh, so if you need to refer back, you can.